All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels here on the Sports Podcast. Hope everybody out there is enjoying their mid-November, getting into the business end of the football season in college, NFL heating up, hockey underway. And uh, who better to talk about those three topics than my guy, Eddie Murphy. Coming in, he was, you know him from the Extra Points Podcast Network. A lot of great stuff there, Eddie. Good to talk with you again. Uh, November is just right in our wheelhouse, I think it's safe to say. It is the best month uh, of sports. Some people say October. Uh, October, though, seeing the Astros win is not great. <laughs> no. um, but November, it's great, especially if you're a college football fan, because those games seem to matter a little bit more. Because college football is that weird sport where it's like totally fine to lose a game in September. People forget. But if you lose now, people will remember that one. And then obviously the NFL playoff race is kind of forming together i'd say hockey and for nba i don't really want to know anything until probably post like new year that's when you can really start to yeah. focus on that but it, it definitely is a, a great time for sports i mean it's great to just have hockey in the mix to have the games on to follow and just kind of you know have another option especially during the week and mm -hmm. we're going to get to hockey in the nfl i do want to start off by touching on college football because only two weeks of the regular season left sad to see it go by fast every year but the playoff picture is exciting, and uh, I mean, I love, I actually do, maybe I'm in the minority, I love the four-team format, because we've got all this drama building, but pretty standard, the rankings after last week, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, undefeated, they're all in the one-to-four spot, all 10-0, and and it's Tennessee, LSU with two losses, followed by USC, the last chance for the Pac-12, and then it's Alabama, Clemson, Utah at 10, but that would take a lot of fortune. Um, I think it's pretty standard, I think the first thing you have to really tip your hat to is TCU just keeps winning and everyone's going to critique them, but they've got a zero in the loss column. So it's hard to, hard to complain about that. I, I totally agree with you. As long as they stay undefeated, I mean, I know they have a trip to Baylor upcoming. Um, they, then they are home versus uh, Iowa state. I know the, the Baylor game, the line was pretty close last I checked. It should be a tough one, but like, yeah, all of TCU's tough matchups they won. Like people were like, "This is this game versus Texas. They're gonna lose that one." Like I know the Texas Tech game was was definitely pretty dicey early on in that one. And then you know they they beat Oklahoma State. It was ranked. They beat Oklahoma. It was ranked. They beat Kansas State. It was ranked. Um, Kansas was for a bit too. Like they they just took care of business. And I am totally fine with them being them undefeated in the mm -hmm. playoff over a you know either one or multi-loss pac 12 or sec school so uh, i'm all for tcu and it, it stinks because you know me and you have watched some tennessee games together tennessee is a great team tennessee uh, i would take over most of these teams in the playoff yeah. mix but unfortunately you know their only oh. loss is to the top team but when you do that like you kind of just unseat yourself so if my yeah. guess is going to be one of the Ohio State Michigan winners TCU um and then you have Georgia probably for sure. Georgia yeah. obviously yeah so it's it's that, that's what it's going to be and I, then yeah. we'll see what we'll get that last fourth spot so a couple of things one being the Pac-12 had another classic you know cannibalizing themselves night with Oregon losing to Washington at home and then the fact that UCLA blows a 20-point lead. Now, were these teams going to win out? Probably not. UCLA's still in the mix, but, and I know I'm telling you this as a Notre Dame fan, but if I'm, if you're asking me if I would bet on USC beating UCLA this week in basically a pick em, a Notre Dame team that could be a tough matchup, and then going to beat Oregon or Utah, I think mm -hmm. I would have my doubts. They don't have any ranked wins this year. As great as, as great as Caleb Williams is, and I do think he's great. This is year one. The roster is not there yet, so I think the Pac-12 gets shut out. I actually, I actually do think Tennessee's in pretty good shape because 
Ohio State, Michigan, depending on what happens there, I think, and again, not being biased, Michigan doesn't have the legs to stand on in terms of if they lose that game. Even if it is a classic game, the resume is just not there. Notre Dame's wins are actually helping out, uh, helping out Ohio State in that regard. But I think you're looking at TCU if they run the table, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, and then probably Tennessee. You know, sneaking in. Now it'll be interesting if it'll be interesting if TCU loses one game, just mm-hmm. one of their last ones. Do they still have a chance to get in eleven and one? No, 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 they're done. So, so yeah. okay, then who would the fourth team be? That would be the thing I would wonder because. I think I, I think if everything plays out, I think TCU will run the table. Okay. Um, but if they don't, like there are fans who there are people in the media who don't even want TCU involved as undefeated, which is totally I, absurd. They I definitely mean, deserve I, it. I'm not like I'm not anti or pro. I'm I'm kind of just indifferent, I guess, on the Big Twelve. But my thing would be we have to find that team. Are we going to put now LSU wins out? Would they get in? Would they get in over Tennessee? Would you put three teams from the SEC in the playoff? That would be one. I mean, LSU's valued pretty high at six, but if they were to win out and beat Georgia, I just think finding that fourth team is going to be the challenge if TCU loses because then Tennessee's clearly in. You'd have to decide, is it a one-loss conference champion? Is it a two-loss conference champion? Because I just don't see USC winning out, so I think they're going to be... That's where I think if TCU does lose, it's going to be complete chaos because I don't know that they the playoff committee, without having talked to any of them, wants to put three teams from the same conference in the playoff. I mean, I'd rather, I'd much rather have Tennessee in there. Just from watching that, like they have a Heisman yeah. candidate quarterback who could take oh, yeah. over a game. I think that's pretty appealing to the committee. I think their offense, they could score at will. A potent offense, much like uh, you know your Buckeyes offense. I love like they could score a ton of points every game. Seemingly, they're they're scoring at least thirty points. Yeah. Um, and then their their quality, their schedule quality. Like they beat you know they had a they went to overtime versus Pitt. Uh, we watched that game together, but that was back when Pitt had Kanan Slovis playing mm-hmm. quarterback, and then they beat a. Florida Florida team at that time who was ranked. They beat LSU. Uh, they, Bad. you know, they, the Alabama game, obviously. So then, yeah, you, you beat Kentucky as well. A lot of people like Kentucky this year. Obviously, Will Levis. Well, they were ranked for a bit. Yeah. Um, Missouri's defense isn't that bad. They trounced. Like they, they totally just dis- they dismantled them, sixty-six so, points. Yeah. And then, yes, I get they lost to Georgia, but Georgia, to you know, uh, maybe outside of Ohio State, is probably head and shoulders better than every other school in the country. So I, it's hard for me to hold that one loss. It's not like they slipped up versus Kentucky. They slipped up versus Florida. They slipped up versus Pitt. They beat, like they took care of business and the, the one tough school right. in their building they lost to. So if the, they're going to, if we're going to kick out the one of Michigan or Ohio state after that mm-hmm. game is played, then I would, I'm fine with the winner of that. I'm fine with Georgia. Assuming they're on the table, mm-hmm. I'm fine with the undefeated TCU, and I'm fine with a one-loss Tennessee. I yeah. think that they deserve it. I think we're. I think we are saying the same thing, and I think assuming Tennessee hold or TCU holds, you know, hold serve, it looks like Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan at the two seed, TCU three undefeated, and then Tennessee four. So they would unfortunately for them get the rematch, but they'd be in. My thing is just if TCU loses a game, then it's just chaos because then we got to find a fourth team with Tennessee already in. Is it? A second Big Ten team? Does LSU make it three SEC? That's where it's going to be crazy. So, I would be if that's the case, then I'd be fine with Michigan or Ohio State mm. both getting in. Yeah. Um, if one loses the that game, like they they still, I know Michigan's strength of schedule isn't yeah. that great. 
but the the Pac-12, if Oregon's only lost this entire year, would have been just to Georgia early on. Yeah, I would have said in. for sure Oregon yeah. I would put in there. Um, USC strength schedule is not good at all. Uh, we just had Jeff Schwartz on one of our shows, yeah. and he mm-hmm. was talking about like their the the margin of victory, the oh the combined record of the teams they beat was pretty brutal, like way below 500. I also not just because I'm a fan of Notre Dame, but I am going to go to that game uh, after uh, Thanksgiving, and I, I just think Notre Dame's a really bad matchup mm-hmm. for USC, and I just don't I don't I would not be shocked if USC like loses to UCLA this upcoming Saturday, or they they drop that game to the Irish. So it's not like they're they have a breeze the rest of the way uh usc so i don't i'm not sure if they're going to be in the mix so i guess my pick would probably be a michigan ohio state and then you have georgia and i guess then tennessee would slide up uh, in the in the four if tcu does lose yeah i I agree with that i think it's going to be fun i think usc has had a brutal strength of schedule if they go on this three game heater which again i'm not predicting them to do then maybe you can look at them differently. But uh, I'm with you there. I think TCU, Baylor, I mean, Baylor has been struggling, but that's a two and a half point spread. So it's not, this is kind of the, I don't want to say the cupcake week. That's what some of the anti-SEC fans are saying, but not the best slate, but it's the warm up for rivalry weekend. I know this is not a good practice to do, but I like doing it. But like when you're trying to figure out, when you just put these teams head to head, like if you're putting USC in the playoff, who like who do you feel, comp, like who, who would they actually beat? Like that's why I don't. They'd feel be underdogs like, against any of the teams we said, including TCU. I I would agree with that. <laughs> I think I think TCU is a better team. I think Michigan's a better team despite their schedule. Obviously Ohio State, obviously um, Georgia, and I I think that Tennessee is is light years ahead of them. And like that's the thing is like I just don't. I would even say USC would lose to a team like Alabama. If they, I, I know a two multi-loss Alabama teams out of it, but yeah, like they would. The, the committee wants to keep them around. Like, I just don't feel confident about them. The Pac-12 is tough. Like, this game versus UCLA will show us a lot. Like I said, I, I think the one team out of the Pac-12 that I w- would have really liked to see involved would have been Oregon. Uh, obviously, they lost that tough one versus Washington. They have a really tough one versus Utah coming up, too. So who knows about them? They could have, you know, three losses by the end of the year. But uh, I, the Pac-12, to me, just has a lot of teams that were ranked that aren't really that impressive. We'll see what happens. I'm excited to see if any more dominoes shake up. We're gearing towards rivalry week. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Eddie Murphy, let's let's turn our attention to the NFL. Uh, and I can give you a shout-out first. The 7-2 and two Giants, was that even on the radar when you started the year? Nine weeks in, you'd be 7-2? and two? I definitely, you know, I don't know. I, I, the, the easy answer is no. I, we, we didn't know what the Packers would be like. You go into the year thinking the Packers are going to be great again. Aaron Rodgers coming off MVP. That's probably a loss. You know, the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, who's won an MVP. They're just a perennial great team. That's probably a loss. Like, even the game versus Tennessee week one, I believe, like, that's a team that's a playoff team at the number one seed. Um, I know that people thought they were going to decline. Uh, you know, that probably – it's just – they're winning a lot of those games that you're just shocked by. You know, they, they did take care of business versus the Texans. The Seahawks game was a shock to me. I thought they – I was at that game. I thought they – they um, you know, looking at that schedule in the preseason, that's a game where you're like, they could have the worst record in the NFL, so that should be a win. But that's flipped around. Like, the NFL this year is pretty tough to get a gauge on. But, um, you know, 7-2, and two, you got to be really happy about that. They're favored versus um, the Detroit Lions upcoming. Mm-hmm. So you're heading into this Thanksgiving matchup versus the Cowboys potentially at 8-2. and two. I mean, it's, it's one of the best records the Giants had in a number of decades so it's it's pretty exciting yeah and, and you know we kind of mentioned too also the, how the nfc east is just uh, you know it's amazing with how good all four teams are my my thing being that 
when we expanded to seven teams in the playoffs, you're going to have to maybe stretch a little bit at times to get teams and to get playoff caliber teams. Now, in some mm-hmm. cases, I think in the Giants' case, we'll see how they finish out. But you know, it could be a young team that's ahead of schedule that you know wins a couple big games early and the breaks go right. Last year, the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, who couldn't even throw the ball, made it as a seven seed too. So I think we're got to expect some playoff teams that might not be the highest caliber. But for for the Giants, I think this is essentially a house money season. They still have a lot of decisions to make. The cap situation isn't great, but they're playing hard and they're competing, and they're not really, you know, they're not really thinking about where they're supposed to be projected. They're just going out and playing for Brian Dable. So I think it is ahead of schedule. I wouldn't necessarily pick them to make a deep playoff run, but. Right. You know, they haven't been in this position before, so I think it's good to just enjoy the process. That's exactly right. It's just about uh, seeing improvement and you know, not seeing a good season since that 2016 playoff loss under uh, Ben McAdoo to the Aaron Rodgers Packers team. Uh, the Giants have not been great. Obviously, the whole uh, you know the 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 boat picture thing happens, and it just it just took stability. It took a guy like Brian Dable, who clearly this team has bought in. It took Joe Shane, a smart guy at the helm, at general manager. And uh, a lot of the rookie players are, are impactful. You know, the Tony trade was something that probably just had to be done to clear up the negativity in the locker room. But again, like this is just a season where it's it's, it's all gravy because you're happy with whatever happens with this team. They're not the bottom dwellers. They're not looking up at the other teams in the division. They're winning the close games, which they weren't recently um, the last few years. So, again, like it just can't be said enough how happy this season is. And this, this turnaround in year one is, is just so great. And plus, the obviously, you know, Saquon coming back from all his injuries and seeing him really shine again, going back to form as, you know, arguably the top running back in the league. That's just a feel good story. And then on top of that, seeing Daniel Jones under Dayball become a competent quarterback and becoming a quarterback that you could rely on. He's not turning the ball over. That's another really big thing that he's, you know, obviously done in years past. He's using his legs now in a smart way, not getting injured. Really not much more you could ask for with a team that is still pretty, I wouldn't say not talented because there's some great guys, especially on defense, but there's some holes. Like they've dealt with some offensive line uh, injuries. Obviously receiver is just one of the worst receiving groups in the entire league. Tight end, their tight end, Daniel Ballinger, he has a, a really brutal eye injury. He's out. Like they're missing guys. Xavier McKinney on during the bye week, um, getting it into an ATV accident. Like they're they are missing guys. They're and they're missing like these all pro, Pro Bowl level level players. And it just shows that Dable is really getting the most out of every guy there, and they all bought in. And it's just a, it's just a great team to watch. Well, props to you, and, and I guess New York's buzzing with the Jets too. It's uh, it's been an interesting time in the football season. That uh, that Vikings Bills game was something, and it is pretty funny, right? How the Bills find themselves in these games, but they always end up losing them. Yeah, I mean, that the thing that shocked me in this game too was it, 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 just talking about Brian Dayball. You know, is Dable not being a part of the Bills anymore and Josh Allen throwing four interceptions in the red zone in the last two weeks? Is that a cause for concern? Does he not have his guy to rely on? Is he trying to do too much? You know, this UCL injury, if you have this in baseball, you're essentially out for the year. He's playing through this. So there's a couple of question marks. there. I'm not going to overreact to that. You know, it's flipping around with the Vikings. They're a team, they're similar to the Giants in the sense like they're just all these one score games. They find a way to win. You know, Kirk Cousins doesn't have always the eye popping stats, but he just finds a way to, to you know, get the ball to his best player, Justin Jefferson. And they and they win these games. Dalvin Cooks look really good the last few weeks. Um, they're a team that everyone discounts doesn't take seriously, but 
I think it, they've shown this year with only that one loss. I mean, they're they're for real. And uh, I, I'm not going to overreact to the Bills. I still think the Bills are – I would not be shocked if the Bills are in the AFC title game. Um, and reversely, would not be shocked if the Vikings yeah. are in the NFC title game. The, the Vikings, to me, are a good team that might that, are, that is slightly overachieving. It happens. I mean, I think there's a lot to like. I think that they're getting the breaks. I think they're showing, you know, a lot of heart in these close games that maybe didn't go their way in the past. I also think the the landscape is helping them too. They're just so used to having we're also used to having a Green Bay that's just rock solid owning that division. I mean, we, we talked about this. It's like the running joke. How many great teams are there actually in the NFL? Like and with the right. Eagles losing, I mean, how many teams you really have confidence in? It's not a high number. So why can't it be the Vikings if they have the run game going, if the defense is fighting and now that they're battle tested and Justin Jefferson's catch one of the best I've ever seen and you know, one sure. of the best, if not the best receiver in football. So I mean, they've, they just, they're, 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 we're always going to doubt them and we're always going to doubt Kirk Cousins until they win. Just that's kind of how it is. But I mean, you look at the landscape, there's not really many other teams I trust more right now. Yeah. This, I mean, this year it's all about parity, all about how mm-hmm. many teams close to 500 as possible. And, uh, you know, teams that you expect to win aren't really winning. I guess that's like the Packers and the Bucks and the teams that we, uh, we didn't expect to succeed like they are like the Vikings we talked about, or the Giants, or the Jets, they're winning. I'm not sure at this point who the – I mean, I could probably say that, like you said before, the Giants, I don't expect a deep playoff run. The Jets, same thing. I do think at the end of the day, it'll be the usual suspects of the Chiefs and the Bills, probably in the AFC. You know, the AFC West, too, was a little bit disappointing because we did expect the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos to all kind of be in the mix, and they're not. And it just seems like, you know, the AFC North – I don't know if there's a really contender out of there. I did like the Bengals. They were my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl. I actually had a I had a Bengals Cardinals Super mm. Bowl. I bought into <laughs> them. I thought the Cardinals would have a reverse. They did last year they get New Hopkins back week six. They'd go on kind of a run there. I thought Kyle would really play at an MVP level. And I just thought the the Bengals had one deficiency, and that was their offensive line throughout the playoffs. And then they go and add like tremendous pieces. And I'm like, well, they just short up their one their one negative. But it's the NFL is it's it's crazy how it, it just teams can flip. The Rams are another good example of that. So like right now we're just trying to wade through these like murky waters. I I do think the Eagles are for real. I feel like the Cowboys is, is a real is a crap ton of pressure on them on Dak to win a playoff game, a meaningful playoff game, and, and go on a run here. But uh, I I would say probably out of the NFC. Uh, I hate to say the Eagles, but I, I probably will side with the Eagles, and I will probably I'll, I'll just say Chiefs right now for uh, the AFC. Yeah, I mean, maybe we got to add Dolphins in there, right? I mean, I know Chiefs is like the solid. I, it, Mahomes, how we all doubted him is crazy. It's going to be like the, it's going to be like the, uh, I guess LeBron James, like the Connor McDavid, where we get fatigue in the MV in the MVP voting every year. He's just always going to be in the mix. He throws mm-hmm. for three hundred yards almost every game. Uh, he's He's just a phenomenal player. But the Dolphins do have something, and that's an exciting offense. I don't know if the defense can hold up, but I do know that they can score points, and they have the best receiver duo in the NFL without question. Yes. And the running, and, and, and McDaniel is more of a running attack as play designer anyway. So I'm not sure about the rest of the team. I'm, I'm definitely not sure the defense can hold up, and they've got some big games coming up like in Buffalo. But the offense is good. That's an undisputable fact, and I think that they're going to be a factor from here on out with a large reason to Tua. 
I, I agree with that. And I, and I didn't bring them up and that's a bad job on my part, but I think it's part of like our brains that we're just told in the preseason, like, okay, well the bills and chiefs are going to be good. We're not used to the dolphins being good. So we kind of discount them like, Oh yeah. Tua, like he's not supposed to be good. And no, oh, Mike McDaniel, first year head coach and Tyree kills dumb for leaving the chiefs. But he's literally on pace to break the records. Um, him and Jalen Wall together are, are breaking the duo records. They're undefeated when Tua has started and finished the game, and they go and add a huge piece in Bradley Chubb to help out their defense at the trading deadline. So, I mean, they're definitely suited to to win, um, you know, deep into the season. I, I wasn't. It, they they could score thirty five points at will any game. They're just scoring a ton of points. Uh, they, they they don't have to punt. Like it, it's insane how good their offense could be. And they have the two headed monster with Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, running back. So they're really. I mean, they're uh, they're a machine right now. I would like to see their defense really stop people. And, you know, Justin Fields and the Bears played them a close game. That's not a great sign because you're going to get a lot of, you know, a a more, I don't know, complete offense when you're playing the place, when you're playing the Bills, when you're playing the Chiefs. You can't be giving up 38 points because then you have to force yourself to score 42. And that's something I'm afraid about with them. But I definitely think the Dolphins are in the mix. Um, just because of how high powered their offense is. And it's not like they're only that's the thing the Chiefs too is like the Chiefs are only running it through Mahomes. He is the offense. But if the Dolphins need to do the ground and pound, like they have yeah. the running backs that could do that. So that that is definitely one plus in their favor. Yeah, it's a sound argument. It's just you have Mahomes on the other side, so you're always gonna like your chances there. It's it's funny to see how this is going to shake out the the AFC East and the NFC East are looking so confident and confident. Um, what what was your takeaway from this whole drama with, and I know it's like a hot button debate, edgy thing, but I think the Jeff Saturday thing was very fascinating. It kind of just got people yelling on the internet, which is never a good thing. But on one hand, I mean, I guess I get both sides of it, right? Like people dedicate their lives to coaching and he kind of just skipped the line because he knew someone, but it's like, welcome to the real world. That's how it happens all the time. That said, I think he is a very competent leader and I understand why players would play for him, but your thoughts on that? I know they only beat the Raiders, but what happened with Jeff Saturday and the Colts winning? Well, it definitely worked out in their favor to to play the Raiders, right? Like, you, if you had to find a more dysfunctional team in the NFL currently, <laughs> yeah. probably outside of the Colts, you could argue it's the, the Raiders with you know their their big four players only playing forty two snaps together, and McDaniel's already on the hot seat in year one there. Um, after their interim coach Rich Bisaccia like did not get the job, and that's the whole thing, right? With with Saturday is how many interim coaches really keep that title uh i'd like to know in the future if this ever comes out about like you know what i I know that he's close with ursay but i just feel like they wouldn't have asked a guy who has zero football iq or had no interest in really being a coach i get saturday was on the tv set and he's you know doing his thing with uh, espn but you know there are definitely some nfl players who have no like they could have called up former colts players who would be like no i'm definitely not equipped to become a coach i mm-hmm. feel like saturday at least i know he was coaching high school football in georgia he at yeah. least probably could coach and maybe down the road was thinking about getting into it yeah. um my only negative with it is obviously there are some guys that that have put in the hours but um you know again this is an interim tag they needed a a, a spark for the rest of the way it was very weird what happens when you go and sign Matt Ryan, you sign Nick Foles, but you play Sam Ellinger, that to me reeks of a team that wants to tank. And then the minute you can, Frank Reich, and then you bring back, bring in Jeff Saturday. Now Matt Ryan starting again, you go and win a game. Jonathan Taylor looks yeah. great. And I will say, too, 
I mean, I know the Titans have looked better as of late, but it's not like the AFC South was like uh, a division they couldn't have won. Like there's oh. still plenty of time left. So to me, it's like I would play Matt Ryan. You have yeah. uh, a nice receiver in Michael Pittman. You have some depth there. Uh, and you have our, one of the best running backs in football. So I, I just think that getting a guy that could somehow rally the troops and boost the morale, that seems like why they made that hire with Jeff Saturday. It's a guy that does, you know, play for the organization and uh, is tight with Ursay. Now, if that's grounds, it's a, that's an unacceptable reason to hire him. Like, I'm not going to argue with that. They're definitely, you know, Reggie Wayne's name's come out because he's on the staff if you want a former player who has the credentials, that probably makes sense, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to get overly mad about it just because it's like they were either going to try to tank and get a high pick for a new quarterback, or they want to light a spark to win some games. Well, it seemed like option two kind of worked. Like they lit a spark and they, they won versus the Raiders in a hostile environment. So I mean, good, good for them. I think just being a competent head coach and just having it together, I know it sounds like an easy baseline to have, but you, you, Teams we mentioned, like, or didn't mention, like the Tennessee Titans with Vrabel, John Harbaugh and the Ravens. Like, you're able to just handle, you know, chaos and handle setbacks and just make sure your team's always engaged. I don't know what the long term is. I don't know if this is a full time thing or just the get through the season issue, but I was happy to see him one because he seems like a good guy and he's well liked and the players played for him. So happy to see that. Uh, And before we kind of switch on to, to wrapping up with some hockey. I know Monday night, two-year division teams you're not really a fans of in terms of Philly and Washington, but are we going to have to have that discussion about NFL officiating? Because that was a tough watch as an innocent bystander. It's gotten to the point where they should just <laughs> – it has to be – everything has to be reviewable. Like what's the, the term people use? Like just get it right. Like everything yeah, eye in the just, sky or something. Yeah, you know? if you have if, – if you're reviewing some stuff, review everything. Don't make part of a penalty reviewable. Don't make – um, you know, the like Bill, I know Bill Belichick this week was saying to allow uh, reviews in the final two minutes. Like you should get X amount of reviews per game. It just doesn't make any sense to like block the ability to review some th- uh, some stuff and get it wrong when everyone at home, the millions of people at home watching, whether it's, you know, ESPN, Amazon, Fox, CBS, whatever. We all see the same thing. We have the announcers saying one thing. We have the dumb third announcer, the uh, the, the, the in booth referee, <laughs> former referee saying stuff. So it's like, just get it right then. Like everything, everything should be reviewable. Everything has to be um, to, to like, I, you know, that's the thing too. Is like, well, getting it right per the rule book, and then sometimes the rule book also makes no sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the NFL is always going to have these these issues. I mean, there was a lot of penalties early on about quarterback hits, and the NFL fired back and said, well, there were more penalties um, uh, in favor of quarterbacks the last two seasons than this one. So, like, they just want to put out the fire. They're not really in the business of wanting to change stuff. They want to protect their quarterbacks. They want to, you know, they they don't want to admit fault ever. So, I I think it's a lot easier said than done because it's not like major rule changes. It's ever, the the public outcry never really helps. So, hopefully this offseason when they have these meetings then stuff could get changed because look like i'm tired of these quarterback penalties and these like these late hits on sports and likes because it's just becoming a two-hand touch game <laughs> and what is a catch what is not a catch what is possession it's just so much that has it's kind of been a you know, black cloud over the game for uh, a bit but it at least comes down to if you're like going to review some stuff let it be let everything be reviewable and that's pretty much my stance 
Yeah, I just I, I don't want to see that be the talking point. It was an exciting game. You know, the Washington knocks off the undefeated team, but we're still talking about some pretty brutal calls that were missed. Uh, and yeah, I do think re- face mask. And good. I do think replays are, are, are too prevalent in sports as is. So I know it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but yeah, if you're going to commit to replay, just make sure you, you can't have it, I guess, both ways in that sense. Uh, la- last thing on football, Eddie. Right now, your top three teams in the NFC in, in order. How would you see it right now as we are 10 weeks in? Tough. Top. It's not easy. I mean, that's yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna. I mean, the Vikes, the Eagles, and then the number that's the three spot is like what I. Oh man, a lot of people like the 49ers. I'm not. I'm not one of them. Oh, not Jimmy G doesn't do it for you. No, he doesn't because he's had time. He's had multiple opportunities to prove yeah. that with the 49ers in the playoffs. I mean, he was a, a throw, uh, a mi- overthrow away from winning a Super Bowl versus the Chiefs. Um, I think you could put him in the three spot, though, if because, uh, yeah, I, I, he's not good enough to get to the, no, to win the whole thing, but a couple I'll say runs. This. So. I think if Dallas is clicking, mm. I think Dallas is going to be pretty hard to beat. And I'll, I'll, if, if anything, the other option I have for the three spot would, would have actually been the Bucks. I could definitely see the Bucks turning, turning it. it on the yeah. second half, like, you know, later down the stretch. I would not be shocked if the Bucks go on a run and, like, they don't lose a game for the rest of the season, like, into the playoffs. And everyone goes, okay, here's Tom Brady again. Yeah. But I said, I'll say, I would, if I had a rank, I would go Eagles one, Vikes two, Cowboys three. I'll go Bucks four, Niners five. And I'll, I'll say the Giants are probably the sixth okay. best team. It's a, it's fascinating. I don't think there's a right answer yet. You know, Jimmy G, guys, uh, you know, sitting courtside talking to all the cheerleaders for the Warriors, living his tough life. But I agree, he hasn't made the best throws when it's mattered. Um, but McCaffrey there, defense healthier than they've been. I think there's a reason why people are high on them, but yeah, they have to go out and prove it, and I don't know if they can. Um, all right, Eddie Murphy here on the Money Mitch Effect. I want to wrap up by talking a few minutes on hockey, just seeing how things have been going. Uh, you know, the Rangers have been looking solid. I, I think it's a long season, but you got to at least like the the start. The power play would be the first thing I'd look at. It's nice to have something that you can somewhat rely on. The power play at the beginning of the season was the only way they were scoring. It was great, and then it kind of leveled out. Um, it, it's funny too. The announcers, uh, Sam Rose and Joe McLeod, will talk about like how even if they're not scoring, it's like it feels like they are because they'll they'll get you know five, six, seven quality shots of power play in the two minutes, and they'll they'll hit post and they'll make the whole you know the defense just they're sliding across the ice, make them look all mismatched, um, and sometimes they won't convert. So even when they're not converting, it still feels like it's an effective power play, and they're putting the pressure on the defense or they're putting the pressure on the goalie. They're gaining momentum. Um, yeah, I mean it. it, it they're in the wild card spot right now. The Devils are are, are shocking the hell well, out of everyone. That's the thing. What ten straight now for the Devils? And I don't know if this is fool's gold. Obviously, they look like a much better team, and they're beating good teams. And Jesper Bratt's been amazing. But I, I'm always weary of the team where everybody starts off having career years. That said, Bratt betting on himself. What a play! What a shrewd business move by him. I mean, he's not. I mean, I think we can safely say he's not going to be a Devil next year, but. He's doing very nice for himself and his future earning power. Yep, that's definitely uh, it's a shock to me. I mean, seeing them 13-3 and is crazy. Uh, have not lost in overtime yet. I did not expect that. I thought they would be better. I thought everyone thought they would be improved, but not the, you know, the top of the Metro. And then the same thing for the Islanders. You know, 22 points. They're ahead of the Rangers, too. Um, you know, the Rangers, I'm not sure what the splits are for other teams in the league, but I have felt like they're what they're trying to do now is keep 
Igor very, very well rested, uh, you know, into the playoffs. So uh, Yaro Halak has filled in a lot of actually a lot of the Rangers losses. I'm, I'm pretty sure Halak is 0-5. Um, so Halak, uh, the Rangers have six losses in regulation, three in overtime. Well, out of those uh, nine, uh, you know, five of those are Halak. So and, he, and that's, you know, only 17 games played. Having your backup play yeah. that much already is a lot. You know, I remember back in the days, you know, when Henrik Lundqvist, he would play he, you know, almost like a 65 game season, which is so. It looks like the Rangers want to kind of give uh, Igor a rest, and and that's smart. Um, again, like I'm cool with this team coasting through the regular season and just get to the playoffs without any major key injuries. I also think they'll be buyers at the deadline to try to pick up some pieces they need right. because they know this is their window, and it's a lot different than it was last year where you have a team that was like, hey, they're up and coming. They'll be a really good team years ahead. And now the target's kind of on your back. You enter the season with the, I believe, like the fourth highest play, uh, Stanley Cup odds. So it's different from being the hunters to the hunted. Yeah. And um, so that's why I'm not freaking out seeing the Devils and Islanders ahead of them. The Hurricanes, I figured they'd be up there too. Um, so, it, you know, the Metro's going to be, it's always mm-hmm. going to be a tough division. Even the teams that are, you know, like the Penguins, are. I'm not going to count them out yet. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but they're not going to be um, this bad the entire season uh, unless, they, you know, they suffer some devastating injuries. So right now the Rangers, 19 points. They're they're playing well. Uh, Igor looks, you know, like Igor. Power play is good, you know, so I'm yeah. I'm cool with with everything. Like I said, it's it's still very very early. Like once mm-hmm. it gets past the New Year's, then I'll start to be like really get hyper focused. But right now, no complaints. Well, a couple of thoughts for me looking at this breakdown. Obviously, uh, the story. I mean, with the Devils is a huge story. I'm not too surprised the Islanders have gone on this run. They were a trendy team. They had the bad year last year, ravaged by COVID. The start of, uh, all on the road. So I, I'm not surprised they're kind of getting back to like regressing towards the mean of, of a good way, I guess, in terms of being a playoff team. The Bruins are on fire. I think that that's, I mean, 14-2, and two, no overtime losses. Uh, they just continually get better, and they're getting it from all four lines, and Charlie McAvoy's become a top three or four defenseman in the league. So I don't think that goes down. I, I have Eddie talked myself into the, well, it's okay if Columbus has a bad year now because I don't think that this team's ready to contend. You see it with the depth on their on their roster, the goaltending hasn't been good. The injuries, having to go to Finland to play the champs twice was a tough break. But, you know, I, I think they're they're building towards the future too. I think there's going to be, like you said, a lot of a lot of moving parts in the standings. I think some of the teams that you can count on, like your Rangers, Carolina, Boston, even Toronto at the top. But you know, the Florida teams haven't found their footing. I expect Pittsburgh and or Washington to make a move. I'm not sure if Philly is going to level off after that after that jolt of energy with Torts. So. I think there's going to be some movers and shakers, and I could see a younger team putting it together. I'm not sure if it's going to be a team like Detroit, maybe even Buffalo, who's looked a lot better recently. So I think I think it's going to be a fascinating race in the East for those eight playoff teams. I think you could pretty much write in pen about six of them, but I think there's going to be some moving parts. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm shocked, you know, with the Jackets and uh, with the centers only having 11 points. I, I did, again, while prefacing this, I still think there's a lot of season left and they could drastically change. But I did think both the centers and the Blue Jackets would be improved. Um, obviously, your 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 BJ is getting uh, Gaudreau. And then with the centers, I mean, I mean uh, basically pretty, a whole new like, top yeah, six. Yeah, well, I mean, the Rowenski news to the last this sure. week is the nail in the coffin. I mean, they are not... You don't lose a guy like that when you don't have just insane depth. He's one of the top 10 defensemen in the league, and if he's not playing, it's it's going to be tough sledding. And that's that's the game. But, yeah, the fact that it's such a long long season and, 
they're able to just try to hold on. Pittsburgh, again, started off hot, and they've gone cold. So I think it's fun. I mean, like the West is, is what actually I'm the most shocked, surprised at. The Central Division has b- maybe no great teams in it so far, with Colorado still finding their footing. I think they will, but I think it's still going to kind of be a little bit of uh, a time for them losing some pieces after the Cup. But Vegas and the Pacific, I guess I, I guess we shouldn't be that surprised because they were the team that underachieved the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. Eichel looks healthy and great, and they've they've got an identity now, and they're getting goaltending, which they couldn't really rely on the last couple of years either. The Knights were a team last year that I really, really liked, and I, I'm maybe biased because I love Jack Eichel, BU guy. I thought that you know his when he rejoined the lineup, they would get an extra jolt and they'd be a great team. And it just that was a year delayed, and <laughs> yeah. now they look awesome. I mean, his his return game to Buffalo gets a hat trick. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fully healthy. I'm very happy for him. It's it's great to have a, a young American star in the game in in a newer franchise too. Um, yeah, like the Kraken are a good surprise. I must say too, for my trip to Seattle. Uh, I'm sure this is probably the way in, in a lot of Canadian cities that have teams, but like every person had something Kraken related on them or like there were just Kraken flags everywhere. The Climate Pledge Arena is it, it's insane. It's like in a neighborhood, but it's like sunken down in the ground. It looks like a pristine like museum almost. Yeah, um, really, really awesome setup they have there. That's that's and I, I know the, the tickets are very expensive to get in there because they you know, it's hard hard to come by. That town has rallied around them, so good for them with the you know 19 points this this early on. Uh, the Kings, I also expected to kind of be near the top two. They they put, look like they had a, a good formula last year, and that I'm not sure that's continuing. I did like the Flames a lot. I know, I mean, you talked about their Flames offseason moves. I thought the Flames almost improved after the, those big trades yeah. they made. It's and, tough to kind of get back to. I mean integrate all these new pieces early that's more of over the season i am not particularly worried about the flames i think they'll 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 be fine later i think it just takes time to gel a lot of new pieces especially at the top of the lineup yeah i i'm i'm with you on that so i still think you know we'll still see the flames the oilers um the knights you know hanging around there come playoff time and i think more in the central you know the 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 avalanche aren't going anywhere and i i don't think the i don't see the jets and the stars dominating that that division i think it'll kind of flip-flop uh, yeah. but like I said, that, that's what comes back to it being uh-huh. this early no offense devils fans or islanders fans i don't think you guys can be the top of the metropolitan either i think the flyers will kind of slowly fade the only team i really don't see fading that's in the top spot right now i could argue the knights don't have to fade away but it's, it's probably the bruins i mean i i thought the bruins would be a little bit worse than they were last year um and i was dead wrong about that and they're just finding yeah. a way you know they're just a great defensive team mm-hmm. I mean, they're just a juggernaut, and I can see them. Uh, they, they have a chance really to, to have the most points out of any team this season. I kind of like how the Jets are built. I don't know if they'll maintain it, but of all those teams in the Central where it's just you're not sure, and like you say, with fading fast fast starts, I kind of like how they're built from the back out with goaltending and Hellebuck and with Sheffley back to 10 goals again, and they don't really rely on one player. So they play a heavy style, and I think that they could be a team in it for the long haul. Uh, the last thing I have is... 16 games for Connor McDavid, 15 goals, 32 points. I know it hasn't really resulted in them racing to the top of the uh, division, but it's just insane. I mean, he might have 70 goals this year. He is, you know, there's no one in sports that is close to him, in my opinion. Um, The gap of the best players for number one and number two is that far. I mean, Mm -hmm. he is just... It, it, we're, we're right now we're witnessing history and we're lucky to be seeing this like this is the modern day Gretzky but I think he's more talented 
uh, in different eras and just, you know, different style of play, different body type. But I, I mean, he really, his skating ability, um, which we talk about a lot, is just, it's just phenomenal to watch. And I, I hope for the sake of the game, for the sake of him, that, you know, they do get him the help he needs. Obviously losing Evander Kane for a mm-hmm. while is not going to help the Oilers out. So I just feel like they need to get him some pieces because they were just so bad defensively last year, letting teams enter the zone and their goaltending was miserable that's going to cost you in the playoffs. The playoffs, mm-hmm. these, these games, the teams play a lot tighter. It's not going to be as easy for McDavid to fly around the ice like he has been. So I'm just hoping they, they become more even, get him some more help, and uh, we'll see him continue to dominate. Hopefully in his future he will get a cup uh, because no one deserves him more. He's really that good. It's just better like it was last year when he's in the mix late into the playoffs. Totally. Right? And it was yep. fun to watch him take that step, hope it keeps going. Uh, Eddie Murphy, this was a blast, man. We got a lot of football coming up, and we're going to be, you know, locked in. I know you'll be watching Notre Dame in person coming up as well, so it's a fun time. But thanks again, as always, my man, for coming on the on the show, and uh, appreciate talking to you. Mitch, you're the best anytime. Love doing this. That was Eddie Murphy on the Money Mitch Effect. We're on all your podcast platforms. Go to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts for this and the entire catalog of episodes. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some exclusive content. We'll be back next week talking rivalry week in college football, more NFL, and all the sports headlines for Eddie Murphy. My name is Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports.